Hello and welcome to the Use Because podcast. Deeper learning from the best business minds to have ever put pen to paper. The dichotomy of leadership is the focus of this week's episode. The first thing we need to do is understand what the word dichotomy means. It is a division or contrast between two things that are or are represented as being opposite or entirely different. So this book, The Dichotomy of Leadership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin is a follow-on from another book that they wrote called Extreme Ownership. Two incredible books on leadership and what it means to be a leader. And this one is interesting. It's an interesting concept, this, this idea of dichotomy, this idea of having two opposing forces when it comes to be to being a leader and how to how to find that balance, how to find what the right way forward is, what the right path forward is for being a leader. Because you'll see it all the time in looking after the individuals in your team, but also making sure that the mission gets done. And that's a dichotomy. Should I should I make sure that the individual is happy or should I make sure that the mission is completed, that the that the, the project is delivered on time or that the customer is happy, whatever the the project happens to be, the thing that you're trying to achieve. You need to achieve that as a team, but you also need to make sure that the individuals are happy or feel that they are contributing or that they are fulfilled or, you know, whatever the thing is, you need to make sure that 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 balance is there. And that's actually what they talk about as the ultimate dichotomy at the very start of this book is this balance between caring for the people, but also accomplishing the project or the mission, as they say. So if you haven't listened to the to the previous podcast that we did on extreme ownership just to give you a quick brief background on on who the authors are so this book is called the dichotomy of leadership and it's by jocko willink and leif babin who are former navy seal commanders in the u.s army and or the u.s navy i suppose technically so they what they've done is they've they've left the the navy seals and they have uh, set up a company called Echelon Front. And they go into businesses and they take the, their, their leadership concepts from working with SEAL teams and then translate it into how that still matters for business. And it's incredible. So Extreme Ownership is the previous one we did. You can look it up on usebecause.com. But Extreme Ownership is all about making sure that no matter what happens in your team, you take responsibility for it or you take ownership of, of the, the problem. And with that as a starting point, it it allows you to, to find a way to the solution ultimately or to, to what the what the problem is or how to fix the problem. So extreme ownership is a really interesting concept. It's a really interesting way to approach leadership and to approach business that no matter what happens in my team, even if somebody else messed something up, if if that is a direct report to you, that person, it's your responsibility. You have to take ownership for for uh for that downfall i suppose so that's extreme ownership in that book they talk about the dichotomy of leadership as well and what they've done is they've taken that that one chapter i think it's a chapter in that book on extreme ownership and they've expanded it out into this book the dichotomy of leadership which is a follow-on book to extreme ownership it's a smaller book it is broken into three parts part one is balancing people Uh, part two is balancing the mission and part three is balancing yourself is to find that balance between uh, all these different dichotomies so what we'll do is we'll go through each of the different dichotomies these different uh, ideas that need to be balanced in a team uh, or in your head really as a leader 
and um and we'll figure out then which are the ones that you specifically need to focus on as you move into uh, the new year uh, if you move if you move into 2021 uh, obviously it depends on when you're listening to this so like i said the ultimate dichotomy they talk about at the beginning of the book is caring for your people but also accomplishing the mission the way this book is set up is similar to extreme ownership where each chapter has um, a particular theme or a particular idea they tell a story then about uh, something that happened while they were in the navy seals some you know extreme situation that they had to get themselves out of or some extreme situation that they might not they might have failed in and then they talk about the uh, principle behind it and how it uh, relates to business and then kind of the key takeaway and that key takeaway is is, is, is what we kind of structure our, our podcasts on for for everything but the, this book is laid out perfectly for us really so the story that they tell is about uh, the, the business story I, sh- I should say that they tell uh, in this first chapter about the ultimate dichotomy this idea of looking after the individuals and also making sure that the mission gets accomplished is a guy who is running six different mines right there i'm not can't remember exactly what they were mining uh coal i assume something like there were there were six mines essentially and one got closed and now they he, he was able to keep 25 percent of the staff and put them into the remaining five mines but now what was happening is there wasn't enough work for all of the people but because these people are experts in what they did and how they went about their job he he didn't want to let these people go and so echelon front as in Jocko Willink and, and Leif Babin were brought in to talk to this guy um, about how he was endangering the entire mission, right? If he, if all of these five mines are being put in danger because there isn't enough work for everybody, the whole thing is going to collapse, right? The whole, the, the other five mines are going to, like he's, he's trying to look after the 25% of people who've been taken from the sixth mine and put into the other five mines. And he wanted to then protect everyone's job. But by not getting rid of some people, he's endangering everybody's job because there's not enough work for them all. And so by trying to look after the individual, he's in danger of letting the entire, uh, the rest of everybody else lose their jobs, including himself. So leadership is, is rough. It's hard. There are, there are ideas or things that you need to balance. You need to find that balance between, well, do I need to let, 10 people go so that 100 people can still hold their jobs or do I hold on to 110 people and just cross my fingers knowing full well that you know we're all going to lose our jobs because I'm just trying to be a nice guy you're not trying to be the nice person when you're the leader you're trying to do the right thing you're trying to find that balance first and foremost between caring for the individuals but also ensuring that the the project gets completed or that uh, growth continues or that um, the profit margins are, are, are met. All those things have to happen. And they're right in saying that at the beginning of this book that that is the ultimate dichotomy, is to find the balance between caring for the individuals and ensuring that the mission gets completed. The next one they talk about in chapter two is to own it all but empower others. And this is like a spectrum in my mind between um, micromanagement and completely being hands off. Right, either ends of those of of that spectrum is a nightmare. If you are uh, the the one who who it's being inflicted upon, right? If somebody is micromanaging you, it's you just cannot get anything done. Right, they're just watching over your shoulder the whole time. 
Whereas at the other end of the scale, if somebody is completely hands off and just kind of leaves you to it, that can be really stressful as well because you're not sure if you're doing the right thing. You're not sure what the, the joined up thinking is on the rest of the team. You don't know, you know what you're aiming at. So to find that balance is a dichotomy as well. If you're a leader, is to find the balance between micromanagement and being hands off. What he says in the book, what they say in the book, I should say, is that micromanagement leads to a halt of creativity and just no solutions. Because if, you, if you've trained somebody psychologically to just always be micromanaged, when a problem pops up, that person goes, well, I'll do, they kind of just shrug their shoulders and say, well, I'll just wait for, wait for my boss to tell me what to do. We've all seen people like that. We've all seen people who just do not have any initiative, who have had the, the initiative trained out of them or managed out of them. That's one end of the scale. Whereas the other end of the scale, if you're completely hands off, there's no coordination. There's no sense of team. And that's why a manager has to find that balance between having weekly meetings to ensure, well, I mean, I say weekly, it could be daily, it could be, um, you know, uh, twice a month, that kind of thing. It's to find that balance that's right for your team. If you know what's happening, great. Okay, here's what we're going to try for next week. So there are companies who run those two-week sprints where you, uh, you know, you've got a certain amount of tasks to get done by the end of this two-week sprint. And then we meet again, see where we are, and see does that match up with what we're planning to do in the first quarter of this year or in this whole year. Right? So there's different, there's different kind of levels you can look at to make sure that you are, are hitting your targets along the way. Now, this is like, you know, management 101. But it's it's really important to find that balance. Am I spending, you know, three hours a week in a meeting with my team where they could be off, you know, actually doing their job? Or am I not spending enough time with them? Right? It's a balance between being a micromanager and being completely hands off is to own it all, but to empower others. And so they tell stories in the book about ensuring that everybody knows what the mission is. And I and I trust you to go and do the part you're supposed to do. I'm not going to check up on you because I don't have time to check up on you. I've got other things to be doing. That's That should be your approach from a, a leadership point of view. But also being there to make sure that you're supporting them along the way. Right? This whole book, when I was reading this book, I thought, like, if somebody's new to leadership, it sounds impossible. Leadership sounds impossible because all of these dichotomies, all of these things that, needs, that need to be balanced, it, like, well... If you're new to leadership, you might think, well, how, how am I supposed to know? How, I don't know. Like, well, when should I be looking after the individual and when should I be looking after the, the mission or the project? And for chapter two, then, if I'm supposed to own everything, but also empower others, well, how do I find the balance in that? And that is why leadership is hard. That's why it's, it can be a rough job to be in. That sometimes people are all the time looking to be a manager to kind of keep getting promoted up the up the uh, the chain of command but you have to be aware of what that actually really entails that there has to be this balance the whole time and that your your job isn't necessarily to be an individual contributor to the team it's to be the almost like the puppeteer of the team to make sure that everything is is finely balanced all the time from an emotional point of view from a strategic point of view from a process point of view everyone's following uh, the government governance of the of the organization it's to find that balance all the time so leadership is not easy, um, and it shouldn't it shouldn't feel easy uh, at the beginning, especially if you're if you're just learning. There are these these conflicts in your head that have to happen. Chapter three, then he talks about being resolute but not overbearing, and he tells a story. There's a there's a guy, 
so Echelon Front, the the the, the consultancy that they that they both run, they tell a story about meeting this guy who who basically rules his team with an iron fist, to the point where he he gets it when he brings people into meetings he gets them all to take out their phones and switch off their phones in front of them and actually hold the phone up before the meeting starts to show that their phone is switched off and he thinks this is a great idea because now they all know that i'm in control and this is um this is how we're going to run this meeting and his point was you know that he's trying to give them uh really vital information about what's changing in the company and what the new policies and procedures are and all that kind of very important governance stuff that matters but people are taking out their phones and, and working on emails while he's trying to tell them this stuff so he's trying to find this balance between ensuring that they're listening to him um, and also making sure that they know that he's in charge and making sure they're able to do their jobs so the authors of the book Jocko Willink and uh, Leif Babin they ask him what what kind of emails are they sending like what if it's mission critical what if it's a customer who's having a meltdown because something isn't working what if it is a, a deal that needs to go through and it's really really time sensitive shouldn't they be able to 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 answer those emails or to get online to to get those things done and he's like yeah i suppose they should and this is what they're talking about the balance between uh, being resolute but not overbearing resolute really means to make sure that you have solid rules but but don't spend don't spend that currency on things that don't matter. Like, don't be insisting that people turn their phones off in meetings because then when it comes to... It's like you're spending your capital. It's like you're spending your, your money, your, your, your leadership capital on these trivial things. And it's just pissing your team off, basically, by doing those kind of things. So you have to think about where you're going to spend that currency. You've got to think about where you're going to actually put your your capital where you're going to put your foot down and say i absolutely will not allow this to happen or the things you might turn a blind eye to like for some companies i know i've worked for companies before where they were absolutely resolute that you have to be there from nine to five so what that meant was that at 5 p.m people have stood up and walked away from whatever they were in the middle of or they would make sure they were finished at, at half four because uh, I'm, I'm finished at five they want me to work until exactly five o'clock well that's what i'm going to do and because they were so resolute about that nobody did a thing before 9 a.m and nobody did a thing after 5 p.m because that's that the company the, the particular leaders in that company would, would put their foot down about the hours that were worked but if they could turn a blind eye to somebody coming in at quarter past nine or somebody needing to you know run out to the banker you know whatever the thing is that somebody needs to do then people are more likely to to focus on getting the thing done rather than sitting at their desk until 5 p.m. It was an amazing thing to watch everyone at 5 p.m. <laughs> people already have their coats on and, and, and laptops switched off and they just stand up and leave at 5 p.m. And some companies, maybe that, maybe, I don't know, maybe that is, you know, a way to run things, but it, it doesn't seem correct. It doesn't seem like the correct place to spend your... Uh, to spend that that leadership capital so your job as a leader is to be resolute but not overbearing think about where you want to spend your leadership capital your leadership currency that think of it like money that you have okay well, i'm gonna i'm gonna put, put some of my effort into this here i'll turn a blind eye to that there i'm absolutely definite that you know like for example anytime i've managed people before uh meetings started on time 
you, you don't show up late to a meeting because now you're just wasting everybody's time so i've been in meetings where i've, I've been chairing a meeting and there have been maybe 10 people due there and maybe two people show up in time i just start the meeting i don't repeat anything and you just you know you're just going to have to learn that the meeting starts on time and that's it and um, that was something that was i was resolute about because the, there was there was times where uh you'd end up with slippage on those kind of things where you know people show up five minutes late then they're 10 minutes late and then they're just yeah just send me the recording afterwards that kind of thing you need to be at the meeting if you're invited and a, a balance of that actually as well is to make sure that the people who are invited to the meeting actually need to be there that's another key thing as well it's kind of different to what they're talking about in this book but um think about how you balance that so that's that covers part one of the book the ultimate dichotomy as in finding the the balance between caring for people and caring about the mission part two then own it all but empower others and part three then is to be resolute but not overbearing so they moves on to or they move on to the uh, balancing the mission which is part two of the book it's when to mentor and when to fire that's the that's chapter four so this is this is like leadership is rough right it's 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 hard to manage people and uh, there's a lot of personalities there can be a lot of ego there can be a lot of um, a lot of moving parts when it comes to being a manager or being a leader but you need to find the balance in the mission so if part one is about balancing the people part two is about balancing the mission so you need to know when does somebody need an arm around the shoulder and when do they need to kick up the arse and that's what chapter four is about when to mentor and when to fire most underperformers this is what they say in the book is that most underperformers they need to be led until they just need to be fired which sounds really rough but your job is i remember here i think i might have said this in the podcast it sounds familiar to me as i'm about to say it but your job is not to provide people with um a sense of purpose right keep that in mind as a leader right it's not your job to to provide a sense of purpose in uh, in somebody's role it's up to them that's an intrinsic thing that's something that comes from the from the inside out to find purpose in your role uh, you can help guide them towards that purpose you can you can ask them questions um if i remember and right this book was uh radical candor by kim scott which is another great book we did a podcast on that as well but she talked about in that book that you know it's not your job to to provide purpose or to provide meaning for somebody in the role you can help guide them towards that you can have like you know where a conversation where you ask somebody where do you see yourself in 18 months time kind of thing and how do we help you get there what kind of things are you interested in but it's not your job to provide that meaning for them and it, it ties into what they're saying here in this book in the dichotomy of leadership you have to know when to mentor somebody and when you know i can do no more for you when it's time to let them go you have to be loyal to the individual but they have to meet you halfway because your loyalty is ultimately to the team as well and that's that balance you have to find when should you mentor somebody when do you fire them and that's when people end up being put on those um what are they called the performance review things um just different names for them um you know something gets officially written down so from your point of view if somebody on your team is underperforming if, you know there's probably a procedure in place there in your company for for how you should handle it but you have to keep in mind that there is a uh, an informal thing you should do as well like you need to have a word with somebody say, listen you're 
your work isn't up to scratches there's like they could have they could have personal issues that they're going through they could be um they could be sick there could be somebody in their family is sick they could be suffering from anxiety or depression or whatever the thing is you don't you don't always know what's going on in somebody's life so don't 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 think of it as black and white but also make sure you're balancing that care for the individual with the care for the for the mission so you have to know when to mentor somebody and when to fire them in extreme ownership they talk about this idea that there are no bad teams only bad leaders so let's imagine you had a team of eight people that you're managing or you're leading and there's one person on that team which is consistently missing their targets maybe showing up for work late um, consistently or you know you you've laid down what the ground rules are what you expect from your team and they just consistently miss the mark right and then that so let's say let's say there's nine what did i say eight people on the team so seven other people on the team then that are uh, their their average customer satisfaction score their csat is right down because it is one individual and now from the outside looking in that looks like a bad team but it's not bad team it's bad leadership because you haven't handled that one person who is dragging the rest of the team down right so that's there can be bad individuals but but you have to take care of that that that's your job is to make sure that that individual is not pulling the rest of the team down it's that uh that idea another book we did on uh on leadership about the all blacks is called legacy by james kerr and one of their rules there's 15 rules in, in that book basically about what it takes to to build a culture of um of leadership and one of the rules they have is no dickheads right there's there's no dickheads allowed and i've heard it said many times before that some companies will put up with somebody a, a brilliant asshole right somebody who's brilliant at their job but is you know creates a really bad atmosphere or is really aggressive or um you know patronizing or whatever something some something really negative but you put up with it because they they uh they're brilliant at what they do i think never allow for for brilliant assholes get rid of them if they're not willing to um to meet your team in the middle or to be part of a team they will eventually pull the whole team down or you'll have you might keep on you might keep holding out one person but three or four other people on your team might leave because they don't want to, to deal with that person anymore that that brilliant asshole so there can be there's no such thing as bad teams only bad leaders and this again that ties back into that extreme ownership book is that if your team is not performing and you're the leader of that team it's your fault you need to find where the where the the bad egg is that that rotten apple and decide does that person need mentoring or should they be fired right what's the process for getting rid of somebody if they're just not willing to uh, to meet you in the middle to put the effort in the discount code for this episode is Jocko, J-O-C-K-O, and that'll give you a 50% discount for life, as well as your one month free. So Jocko is the discount code for this episode. So chapter five then in, in this book is about training hard, but training smart. And this is like a you, you've probably heard that a million times right but what does it actually mean to train smart well what they talk about in the navy seals is that the the training has to be repetitive 
and it should focus on the fundamentals. Right? There's no point trying to train somebody to do something really uh, complex if the fundamentals are all wrong. So, for example, if it's a sales call, um, if, you're, if you're training salespeople, it could be the initial pitch that they put or it could be the, the way that they ask open-ended questions or the way that they handle objections. Something very, the fundamentals of what your business is or the training could be on being up to speed on the, the new specs for your product or the, um, the new features and benefits, right? Whatever the thing is. But what they say is that there's no growth in the comfort zone. And again, this is something you probably read in in the seven habits of highly effective people which is one of our first podcasts there they talk about the comfort zone and that there's there's really is no growth in the comfort zone right if you're just staying what you're doing all the time staying doing what you're doing all the time then you'll you might achieve some results but you'll never get better it's like doing presenting or something or or doing a podcast you only get better by pushing yourself out of your comfort zone going i don't know what i'm doing here but i'm going to see how it goes and um i'll i'll continuously think about and and try to improve i'll deliberately practice different things as i go and this is what they're talking about in in chapter five here is to train hard but to train smart right is to find that balance between um go 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 with your training but also making sure well actually are we are we are we doing the right are we training the right things are we doing the right things so what they talk about here as well is that the training should be driven from the frontline workers and this again is something i've seen done wrong as a billion times right where somebody high up in an office somewhere with a, a pen and paper and an idea decides on what the training needs to be for the people on the on the ground right the the, the frontline staff if you like uh, and it's just totally irrelevant or it doesn't make any sense or uh, i'll give you an example my wife is a police officer here in ireland or guard as we call them and she there was they got these new radios this was a few years ago the radios that they wear on their lapel or whatever and uh, they had a new system for how they would have to you know switch stations you know you see them clicking the thing to switch to different stations for different things and uh my wife and a few of her colleagues were brought in to meet the the engineers who devised this new system this new uh this new radio and one of the things that they noticed straight away is that like if i'm running down the road after somebody who has you know robbed something from a shop or something are you telling me i'm expected to switch stations as i'm running so like the you know this idea that the map is not the territory that's what that was like on paper everything looked perfect to these engineers but they were doing it away from the actual reality of of of, of how it was going to go on the ground so the map is not the same as the territory and i've talked about this before as well the map might tell you how how to get up Everest, right? Which path to take, and it all looks nice and easy. But that's not the territory. The territory is, you know, how you feel on the day, what the weather is like, who you're with, um, you twist your ankle, all of those things. It's it's bringing the two dimensions into three dimensions or four dimensions, if you like, if you want to count time as well. The map is not the territory, and that's how it should be when when you're thinking about training. You might have a great idea for how your team should be trained. Or what you think the problem is but you need to get input you need to get buy-in from those at the beginning as well chapter six be aggressive but not reckless you need to make good deals happen right aggressive means that you're proactive uh, but with control of your emotions that's the difference between 
you can be aggressive as in go 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 get the things done make sure everything is done correctly but you do while being in control of your emotions if you're not in control of your emotions and you're going to end up being reckless it's your job to get good deals done it's your job to get projects complete on time and on budget and really what being aggressive means is to is to not not wait to be told what to do that's if you know what the ultimate mission is if your manager has told you what the what the job is what you're expected to do then you probably don't necessarily need to to wait until uh, they tell you what to do but the dichotomy of being aggressive according to the authors can also mean hesitating doing nothing so aggressive doesn't necessarily mean you have to be doing things all the time being aggressive can mean do you know what i'm going to wait here for a second and just see how this plays out if you're overly aggressive without critical thinking that can lead to recklessness so that dichotomy between being aggressive and being reckless is really the idea of including critical thinking so if you're aggressive and you don't have critical thinking you can rush into something and make a mistake but being aggressive can mean kind of thinking things through using critical thinking and actually do you know what i'm going to wait here i'm going to i'm going to hesitate here for a second and what can happen as well is that recklessness can can stem from what they call a disease of victory it's like beginner's luck or something like that it can result in overconfidence or can uh, result in underestimating the competition like i've done this a million times before it's going to be easy anytime i've spoken about negotiation any of the previous podcasts i've always said that you need to ensure that you approach every negotiation like it's your first you still have critical thinking you still have your experience in the negotiations you've done before but every negotiation is different even if it all looks the same even if it's the same people even if you're just renegotiating or renewing a contract with a customer it's still a negotiation with a blank slate you cannot go in there with that disease of victory like this has all gone perfectly well before it's making sure that you're not underestimating the competition and that you're not being in being overconfident because everything has gone to plan before so be aggressive but not reckless so if chapter six is aggressive but not reckless then chapter seven is disciplined but not rigid so you must have policies and procedures in place to allow the actual day-to-day functioning of the business but not too much that it inhibits initiative which is a great way to think about uh, the territory versus the map that i was talking about and in the book they tell this story about a sales team who had been doing very well and suddenly sales started to tank so what they decided to do is they decided to give a very strict and rigid script for the sales team to use it had had all the the ways to handle objections it had all the ways to um open a conversation and to close the sale and so on but they still didn't work and somebody so like these the sales team had this meeting then and and somebody put up their hand and said the you know the scripts are far too rigid and they asked a very probing question and the question was this when was the last time somebody in this room made one of our clients or potential clients laugh and nobody could answer nobody could say when when was the last time they actually made a proper human connection with people it's all well and good having these sales scripts and and to some degree they do work but there needs to be some fluency in there some some fluidity if you like to allow uh to allow that that human connection to actually happen so there has to be um a a disciplined 
process in place for how a sales call should go but it shouldn't be too rigid that if somebody says something that they uh uh they if the if the customer goes off script as it were that the the salesperson doesn't know how to handle it there's there's, there's no initiative then so again it's another balance for you to find when it comes to, to leading a team and it kind of ties into what we talked about before is um and to, to be resolute but not overbearing to be disciplined but not rigid to make sure that you know meetings start on time um uh like a, a meeting is due to start at 10 a.m somebody shows up at, at, at 10 minutes past 10 you know you need to be disciplined but maybe they have a, a, a valid excuse maybe they did get a flat tire in the car maybe it's the first time in two years they've ever been late for a meeting be disciplined but not rigid the last part then of balancing the mission the, the chapter eight is hold people accountable but don't hold their hand and this is the idea of of what they talk about in extreme ownership decentralized command uh, you need to make sure that every, like this is where it comes it all comes down to communication really you need to make sure that people know what the mission is what we're trying to achieve and make hold them accountable okay so you're going to do this you're going to do this you're going to do this and so on but don't hold their hand hold them accountable but don't hold their hand if they know why if they know why they need to achieve this particular part it's like uh, a supply chain or you know um, a project that has to move through three or four different departments if everybody knows why the deadline is the deadline for their particular section they're more likely to, to work towards that if you just say this has to be done by four o'clock on tuesday uh, or else then they go it's like to them that's just an arbitrary time for the, for the for the deadline if you say it has to be done by this time so that i can review it and send it on to the next department so they have it by uh by 9 a.m the next day that's why it has to be done oh, okay that makes sense right it, it's it's given context to, to why this is the mission as to why this is we're actually trying to achieve this and then you hold them accountable to that so will you get this done by four o'clock on tuesday yes i will great talk to them right that's the you're you're holding them accountable and you can just let them off let them off and go and do it leave them to go and do it and um you know this is where it comes back into the mentoring and firing if somebody if somebody consistently misses their deadline even if you've explained to them why that's the deadline then you know that then you're into that whole uh dichotomy of of mentoring versus you know removing somebody from the team but so the last part of balancing the mission is to hold people accountable but don't hold their hand so as we move into part three of, of this book, uh, part three is about balancing yourself. So just to remind you, part one is about balancing uh, people, part two is about balancing the mission, and part three is about balancing yourself. But as we move into this part three, here's what I want you to think about. Can you? We've covered eight chapters of this book so far. Can you actually remember them? Can you now sp go and say, this is what the eight chapters were? You probably have a vague idea. This is how bad human memory can be. And that's why we created toolkits to go along with each of our podcasts. Our podcasts are free and will always remain free. The toolkits, though, if you really want to go deeper and get more from this particular book, first of all, I'd suggest you go and actually read the book. But then you need to go and deliberately practice these dichotomies as they're explained in this podcast. And you do that at usebecause.com and you sign up for the, pod, for the, for the toolkit. Toolkit is free for a month see if you like it it's essentially it's built if there's two parts to it one is an interactive summary covering everything that we're talking about in this podcast second part then is the uh 
the action log where you'll go out into the big bad world deliberately practice some of this stuff and have space in your action log to go and decide what you'll practice when you'll practice and then come back and reflect on it and say well what worked and what didn't work so ensuring that you're actually getting more from this uh from this this book and from this podcast we want to give this give you this information as many different ways as possible so that it truly does become a deeper learning experience usebecause.com is where you get those toolkits so part three then is about balancing yourself and chapter nine then is is to understand the dichotomy of you being a leader and also being a follower so you're a leader of your team but you're also you're also a follower of your boss right you're part of a of a, of a wider team as well so you have to understand what your you have to support your boss and you have to understand their why and that will protect the chain of command so even if you don't agree with what your boss is um, putting forward or what they're suggesting you have to just internalize it and just execute it as if you do believe it and the reason for that is because the chain of command will break down if you start going off on a solo run with your team then there's no joined up thinking then you're into that um and you're and obviously your boss shouldn't be allowing you to do that They're, they should be they should be finding the balance themselves between being a micromanager and being completely hands off they need to explain the why to you but you have to keep in mind that they probably have more information than you do about you know the wider goals of the organization the wider goals of of, uh, of their particular department the same way you probably have more information than the people on your team right this is this is what a chain of command is so part of you being a leader is to find that balance between being a leader and being a follower chapter 10 then is a quick one because i think it's it's quite kind of self-explanatory is that chapter 10 is to plan but don't over plan there's there's you know, there's so, like if you're if you're a project manager, right? If you're if you're managing if you're managing a particular uh, sequence of events over the next you know month or six weeks, whatever it is, there's certain things you can plan for. You can plan, you can have deadlines, um, you know, markers in the sand if you like for for when things are going to get done. But there's there's always going to be something that you didn't allow for, like um, you know, three people on your team are out sick, or uh, somebody leaves uh, the organization, or or you know your leadership changes or the or the the project shifts or whatever the thing is right we all we all know what those things are things that can happen with with projects so you need to plan for as much as you can but you don't want to over plan either right you don't want to plan to the, you don't want to plan the the project to death where um you need to have that fluidity in there like i said you need to have you need to ensure that people are able to, to, to use their initiative and, and, and who knows, maybe you'll bring the project in earlier and under budget, um, which is always a good thing. Chapter 11 then is to make sure that you're humble, but not passive. And what I always, the way I, when I read that in the book, what the way I understood that was that uh, don't confuse kindness with weakness. That's kind of the, almost like the flip side to that coin, if, if you like for me, or like the, the uh, corollary, <laughs> they'd call it in here. When you're doing your, your mathematical theorems back in the day it's 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 something that's connected to it so in the book they say be humble not passive so humble means that you're always kind of open to learning and um but being passive means that you know you're just kind of letting things happen so it's, there's a subtle difference i think between being humble and passive and it's important to know the difference and to understand that 
uh, you you want to be humble and not passive. In that book, Legacy, actually, that I mentioned earlier on by James Kerr, humility is one of the keys to their success. One of the things they talk about on the New Zealand team, the, the All Blacks, is that they would never do a swan dive when they are scoring a try. So a swan dive, if anyone doesn't doesn't watch rugby, a swan dive is when they're going over the try line, they're about to you know score po- score some points, and do this huge big dive into the air, like and kind of you know. Um, make it make it a bit more spectacular but the all blacks will never do that because they've got too much humility they've got too much respect for their opposition they've got too much respect for the game itself humility is kind of built into to how they play the game so humility is 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 key um because if you're if you're humble then you're less likely to to underestimate the competition to have that disease of victory because if you're humble you're always a student. You're always a student of leadership. You're always a student of business. You're always a student of, of life, right? Which is sounds kind of deep, but it's true. If The more you can remain humble, the more you can spot opportunities because you you can go into situations thinking, well, I don't know everything. I might, I, I might know a, a good bit about what's happening here, but I don't know everything. And it, just, it allows you to remain uh, open-minded. The 12th and final chapter is as uh, is to be focused but detached so and then this kind of this ties back again it kind of completes the circle if you like for 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 their previous book extreme ownership in extreme ownership they talk about prioritizing and executing right so we've all been in those situations where you know there's just so many moving parts you don't know you're you're paralyzed by indecision prioritize and execute just clear out emotion um remove remove that that voice in your head that's kind of making you doubt yourself and for me personally i do a to-do list and i put the number one beside what i think is the most important thing to do and i and i compare it then to everything else in the list there was that was that correct is that what i should do if not then i move the number one to somewhere else and okay right if that's the number one thing that needs to be done ignore everything else and do that then come back to my list and say what's the next thing that i need to do and this is what they're talking about here is to remain focused but detached focused on what they what's our priority what's the thing we're trying to do but detached enough to allow the uh, the priorities to change because that happens in 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 businesses as well and, and in projects that you are you're focused if you're if you're too focused on your priority uh you're you're not you're not allowing that fluidity again. You're not you're not allowing the the changes to to occur, and you're not you're not allowing that the you're not allowing yourself to notice that the priority has actually shifted. Yeah, and there's so much ambiguity in business, especially in 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 fast growing companies or in fast moving projects that you have to have your head on the swivel. You have to make sure that you're aware that there is there's more to it than just what your number one priority is. That could change. So remain focused but detached. And that is it. That is the dichotomy of leadership. Very easy for me to just say all this stuff. A lot harder for you to go out and actually execute these things. Um, and to find that balance all the time. But that's what leadership is. So go to usebecause.com if you want to go deeper and get more from this book. And sign up for the toolkit. And um, use the, the discount code. Actually the discount code uh, that we mentioned jocko j-o-c-k-o he's one of the authors of the book so jocko is your discount code and what that'll do is that'll allow you to get a 50 percent discount for life so sign up for the month if you like it great 
But what you can do is you can cancel after that month and come back with that same email address and you'll still get your 50% discount whenever you decide that it's the right thing for you to do. So tell two people you know about usebecause.com. I've said that I think in every podcast and it seems to be working. There is uh, an explosion of uh, of listeners. So hello to our new listeners. Um, I'm very humbled that you are all here listening. And uh, until next time, thanks very much. Hey, before you go, just a quick message about usebecause.com and what we're all about. We believe that true learning happens when you understand, remember, and deliberately practice your newly acquired knowledge. So with that in mind, you can get access to our purpose-built learning tools to help you do just that. To really embed the knowledge from this episode, take a look at the interactive summary that goes along with it. And then use the action log to set a time and a date to go out into the big bad world and deliberately practice the key takeaways from this episode. You do all that and you get yourself a certificate of completion. So try all our tools for all of our episodes free for a month. You can cancel any time. For all of this and all of the podcast episodes, head over to usebecause.com. Until next time. <laughs>